0: Welcome to the Settle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, broadcasting from the southeastern coast of North America, sweltering hot Savannah, Georgia, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. That's right, my friends, Mrs. Smith and I are on vacation. Or at least that's what I've been led to believe. You know, I always thought I was someone who loves traveling, but I'm starting to think that I just love being other places. The traveling part, not so much. You know, there's all those motivational posters and memes out there about how it isn't about the destination. It's about the journey and all that. And I get the sentiment, but the reality of it, eh, not so much. It doesn't always pan out. So just a little story here. The Jeep was running great until about Atlanta. And I did all my due diligence. I did all my due diligence with the Jeep before we left. So we get to about Atlanta. And she started having some issues. And we had to leave it at a garage in a kind of a sketchy neighborhood. Catch an Uber to the car rental place. And then got stuck in traffic for hours due to a terrible accident that I suspect may have even ended in a fatality. Of course, the torrential monsoon-like storm that quickly ensued just as traffic cleared, and we gathered speed had me starting to wonder when to expect the zombies. But I can happily report that I'm still married, haven't been arrested for anything, and was more tested than anything. Thankfully, my wife is a teacher who works with emotionally and behaviorally challenged children. Or who knows what could have happened. I was both emotionally and behaviorally challenged yesterday. She's got grit, folks. She's got grit. So who we are when things go south on us says a lot about us. And it's not when we're all fat and happy that our true colors really shine forth. I possibly could have been more cheery in an alternate dimension, but I managed to maintain. And my wife was her usual optimistic self and carried us through. It's all working out and the good Lord provides. These are first-world problems in any event, and I'm just glad I'm still able to bring you this episode and that we are safe and enjoying our time, minus the Jeep. If you're new to the Subtle Cane podcast, thank you for gracing us with your virtual presence. And thank you for enduring my little report from the road. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. It is much appreciated. This is episode 28 of the Subtle Cane podcast. Castles made of sand. Today we're going to discuss some of the collateral damage of the COVID narrative, touch on some mass formation, and ponder the Overton window, among other things. I hope this discussion is productive, informative, and leaves you with more questions and answers. Because that's what we do here. We ask questions. Let's get to it. I've noticed something over the last few years, and it's bothered me. It's bothered me to the point that I'm unable to remain quiet on the subject. I know that I'm not the first or only person that's been disturbed by this phenomenon, but I'm compelled to address it as best as I know how. The issue that I'm describing is the projection of a seemingly endless onslaught of adverse outcomes into the disease that is called COVID-19. And I know everyone's so sick of hearing about it that this very introduction may cause some of you to simply tune me out. I implore you not to. I will not be pontificating about the dangers of COVID-19 or the efficacy or inefficacy of vaccines. And I'm not going to be rehashing the trauma-based drama that was framed as our generation's tragedy. I will be discussing a little the actual tragedy that I think has occurred and that continues to occur. And though I may have to bring to remembrance or awareness some of the realities of the medical implications of both the disease and the mass vaccination program, It's only going to be contextual, and I'll keep it to as much of a minimum as due diligence requires. It seems I can't go anywhere without hearing the phrase, because of COVID, or now with COVID, and then add whatever you like that's gone wrong. How many times have you heard that as an introduction to some excuse to a baffling alteration to your daily life? I know I've mentioned this before. The problems we have seen are largely, I will argue, due to the response to COVID, not because of covid the issue that i'm having at the heart of it the issue i'm having is that the neurolinguistic tool because of covid it makes a false assumption it's what we call a false equivalency it's a logical misstep it has monumental implications placing the blame for all that has transpired on a respiratory virus rather than the way people reacted to the virus it's not only irresponsible on a catastrophic scale but also nonsensical, and it undermines the real suffering that's been caused by demagogues, politicians, and profiteers who have utilized or fallen victim to the mass formation Professor Desmond has outlined in his work. I'm reminded of the abusive drunk who tells his spouse that she made him hit her because she didn't have dinner ready. The implication that COVID caused all the various hardship that we see takes for granted that the steps that were taken in response to disease were inevitable. And this is, of course, what the experts need you to believe. The purveyors of this tragedy need to be exonerated for all the mistakes they've made, whether by incompetence and hysteria, or mass formation, or by nefarious plundering and opportunistic, even predatory capitalism. Whether you believe there is any or sufficient evidence to suggest a concerted effort to intentionally unleash the virus on the world, one must be able to at least acknowledge the fact that many have leveraged the disease to gain power and wealth. There's no end to the examples, but some of the most prominent would be the whole gang who just met in Davos, the technocrats of the World Economic Forum. We'll get back to that. I want to steer you toward a recent interview with Professor Matthias Desmet that James Corbett of the Corbett Report conducted. Professor Desmet has a book coming out that I have on pre-order. There's a link in the show notes to the interview as well as Professor Desmet's book. The psychology of totalitarianism. I apologize to those of you who have topped off their tanks on pandemic-related information. And I admit that I'm so unbelievably burnt out on the matter that it makes me heartsick sick. It really does. The collective wounds to society have not healed, and the trauma of the whole scenario is still actively harming us as a society. What I mean is that my life, your lives, are either being actively or passively negatively affected by the aftershocks of the civil and ethical transgressions that have been perpetrated under the guise of COVID. Please refer to Episode 8, Market Arona Smoky, for substantiating statistics and links to supporting documentation. Please do. There's a motherload of data that confirms the m- miscounting and statistical tomfoolery that has been used to jack up the mortality numbers and exaggerate the actual risk of dying from COVID, not with COVID. Two very different things. I understand that the world has largely moved on, and most people are not cowering behind their doors, disinfecting their delivered groceries at this point, but that doesn't mean there aren't real residual effects that need to be examined. As I said in episode 23, Bulls on Parade, there are so many new and interesting emergencies and traumatic situations to process. But we can't be so easily distracted, though. We can't allow ourselves to be led by the nose into a new pasture of pain when we haven't even really processed the results of the material we're presently discussing. I ask you now to bear down and fight that instinct to let sleeping dogs lie. I'm under no illusion that this will have a massive impact on the population. Looking at my download numbers as of late, I'm really under no illusion. So please spread the word if you are a producer of the Subtle Cane podcast. Who am I to question the experts though? Who am I? Well, I'm an individual with a mind and a desire to speak truth to power and ask the hard questions, even when I'm exhausted and I don't know if I can carry on the manipulators, abusers, and opportunists that took advantage of the pandemic situation appear to be tireless in their efforts to transform society into their version of some utopian dream. And so we too, we too must be tireless in our efforts to resist them. And sure. I could talk about mass shootings and Russian aggression. I could talk about monkeypox and economic collapse. I could talk about so many other things. Believe me, I want to. I will. And they all have their place. They all have their place. They're not non-issues. It's just that if we if we move on and disregard the reflection in trade for the relief that even another tragedy can bring by no other means even than novelty will be doomed to revisit the same kind of mistakes that we've seen. As Professor Desmond so aptly brings to light, once the conditions required for mass formation are present in society, society will jump from one mass formation to another. And if you're interested, refer to episodes 12 and 13, Road to Nowhere and "Freefall," and for a more comprehensive picture of mass formation that I covered. Or just follow the links in the show notes to interviews with Professor Desmond, where he discusses the topic much more concisely than I'm able. The collective attention span of the public has grown so short that even now, barely a foot out of the prison walls of COVID, we're already signing on for a sentence in the prison of some other traumatic event. I want to be free of this burden. I want to go back to the world as I knew it. I want to take that blue pill and I want to eat that steak and enjoy its taste, even if it isn't real. But that's not who I am. And if you're here listening to me, then I don't think that's who you are either. Courage, my friends. Courage and steadfastness. Because what courage does it take to shrug off the abuse, make dinner, and go about your day? But how can we expect to understand where we are if we won't even spend any time thinking about how we got here? We need reflection, introspection, and not deflection and regression. Now, I'm not saying that we should allow... Ourselves to wallow in the mire. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be paying attention to where we are now or what is happening today. I'm saying that we can't simply walk away from all this without reflecting on what caused it and what we can do differently to prevent further abuse. When asked what can be done, Professor Desmond says that we have to continue to speak out with grace, with honesty, with humility. The best way, the best way to beat totalitarianism is to call it out. The only way. We might not convince others of anything, but at least we can be that still, small voice that whispers, something isn't right, into the ears of our fellow man. If we point out that the emperor isn't wearing any clothes, it's going to be a lot harder to pretend that he is. We have to disrupt the illusions. We have to disrupt the hypnosis. The thing that I want to make really clear here is that we need to be willing to speak up when something doesn't make sense. We have to be willing to ask questions and challenge narratives. And when we hear people reciting talking points, we have to to be able to say something. It doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers or be able to list a comprehensive set of statistical data points to make unanswerable arguments. That's not what it means. We just have to be willing to step outside our comfort zone and disrupt the programming enough to plant seeds of doubt in the narrative. You, each and every one of you, needs to be willing to scrutinize my argumentation. I'm asking for feedback from anyone who's willing to step into the arena of ideas and challenge me, not as an antagonist for the sake of antagonism, but for the sake of verity, for the sake of accountability, and for the benefit of each other and yourself. We need to be able to see through the haze of propaganda, the mass media machine, and the corporate and political machinations of those who perpetrate these crimes against humanity, And yes, they're crimes against humanity. We also need to be able to speak about our personal observations. Not because we're completely convinced we're right, but because we need to hear from as many disparate voices as possible. Truth is found in the melee of conflicting ideas. It isn't found in the orthodoxy of the experts. That is a lie that fundamentally misunderstands the human condition. We also need to be accept honest and noble criticism that challenges our understanding. If I'm to have any success in this endeavor, I need to have people who are willing to scrutinize my work. And I'm not looking for notoriety. I'm not looking for corporate sponsorship or even popularity. I'm trying to be the voice for the many victims of the abuse that's been visited upon our world in the name of COVID, in the name of progress, in the name of climate change, and in the name of science. I need to be diligent and to have my feet held to the fire because those responsible can be left. Those responsible can be left with no excuses. If what I say here is offensive to you, I apologize, but I don't apologize for saying it, just for saying it poorly. My intention here is not retributive in nature. What I'm trying to do is of a restorative nature. In order to have restoration, we must have accountability. The drunken abuser's abuse must be acknowledged before restoration can occur. As in domestic violence, the abuser will often never take responsibility. But in order for the abuse to understand and forgive and move on, the abuse must be properly addressed as abuse. And the abuser must be called out for their actions, even if internally. Real healing can't occur if real trauma is not recognized to have taken place. I don't expect the CEOs of pharmaceutical industry giants or politicians to accept responsibility for the roles they played and play still i don't expect the many victims of mass formation to admit they fell prey to delusional thinking and i don't expect the many compliant individuals who knew something was wrong and said nothing in order to avoid rocking the boat to fall down on their knees and beg for forgiveness for the harm inflicted by our circumstances and i certainly certainly don't expect the elitists of the world to give up their technocratic ambitions. I expect individuals who are courageous and just-minded and who have intellectual integrity to not only speak up when they agree with me, but to also hold me accountable when they don't. Make no mistake about it, there's been no event in any of our lifetimes that's wreaked more havoc on the well-being of the population than the pandemic and its subsequent response as of yet. Take your pick between mental, physical, or spiritual health and look at the statistical shift toward the negative. Look at the economic devastation that's taken place. Consider the educational deficits incurred, the massive rise in overdoses and diagnoses of depression and anxiety. Almost no aspect of our lives hasn't been negatively impacted by the measures we've endured. Maybe you're an optimist and believe this has all, all just happened by chance. Certainly, the conditions for mass formation that have been identified are present in society. Perhaps we're all just victims of circumstance. If we are, then the elites at Davos must have rather large horseshoes in some very uncomfortable places. I'm just saying. Let's take a short break, and and then we're going to shift gears a little to address another aspect of our current situation. The Subtle Cane podcast operates on the value-for-value system, and that means that you will hear no ads. No ads. That's because I want to avoid any undue influence on the content of this podcast. I'm going to be honest with you. That's not a small endeavor on my part when you factor everything in. It takes time and resources to present you with this material. I believe in what I'm trying to do here, and I appreciate your attention. Your time is a valuable contribution to the effort. That being said, it has been some time since anybody's contributed to the show financially. Huh? I'm just saying it can be a little disheartening, to be sure. If you feel what I'm doing here has value, please consider becoming a producer by contributing I'm here, hat in hand, because I have faith in you, my producers, that you will help me with this endeavor. I could be making money through corporate advertisement and associate codes. And I could do that. But I choose to have faith in your generosity. There's links in the show notes for how to contribute. And you can email me at subtlecane at protonmail.com. That's subtlecane at protonmail.com. There's also a discussion board on Substack that can be utilized for conversations about this material. Okay, I'm not going to belabor the point any further. Let's just get back to the show. It's likely that many of you have at least heard the term Overton Window at some point. For those of you who are unfamiliar, let me give a brief synopsis for the sake of continuity and context. Imagine there is a policy that a politician or a group of politicians wants to legislate. The public's opinion about a topic will have a window that covers the spectrum of people who are close enough to the center of an issue to provide sufficient public backing for that policy to be acceptable. Figure like you're looking out a window. Everything above and everything below is comprised of viewpoints that do not fall within acceptable range for political viability, let's say. Outside of that window will be people who believe that the policy doesn't do enough and those who believe it will go too far. Take uh, mandatory masking, for instance. There were, and likely still are, people who believe that people should be forced to wear masks, even in their own homes. Remember, there was actually talk of married couples going to bed with their masks on and instructions about how to have sex with masks on. That's, as Joe Biden would say, no joke though it probably should be. There were also people who believed that forcing someone to wear, wear a mask is never okay. So there's a large portion of the population that agreed that forcing people to wear masks is okay in certain circumstances. There's a significant variance within that window, but those that fall in that window are numerous enough to make a public policy acceptable to enough people to make it politically viable to the politicians and officials making these policies they're in that overton window the goal of much of the propaganda we've seen from the media is focused on shifting the overton window to a place where more and more control is accepted by enough of the population to make more and more restrictive policies politically viable for policymakers the more drastic a situation is huh? the more drastic the easier it is to shift the overton window Think of how many changes you've seen in our lifetime. Think of how many adjust adjustments to our lives have been made through shifting this window via trauma-based opportunism on the part of the media and politicians and corporations. We've gotten to a point where the concepts of privacy and private property have been drastically altered just in my lifetime. The formation of, let's say, the behemoth Department of Homeland Security has essentially granted the United States government to cast aside the U.S. Constitution whenever they deem something to be a threat to, quote-unquote, national security. And within that paradigm, even what qualifies as a threat to national security is constantly being shifted with a quickness. That covers the more drastic, rapid-acting formulations we've ingested over the last several decades. But what about the more slow-burn tactics that affect our lives and our personal liberty? Well, there's something called creeping normality or landscape amnesia that slowly chips away at the norms that is much more subtle and entrenched in educational systems and the entertainment industry most prominently. This is where major changes to society and culture can be brought to acceptance through slow incremental changes. You've heard Pete G. mention this as incrementalism. It's a tool that is used quite effectively by the technocrats. It was first brought to my attention by looking into Fabian so- socialism. People who are of a mind to enact a certain end goal insert themselves into institutions, and they work their agendas into curriculum and entertainment to guide the public slowly but surely to a place where their goals will eventually be accepted as normal. These are those chess players, and they may believe themselves to be heroic in their pursuit of noble goals. This is, I believe, ethically deviant, though because to use Immanuel Kant's framework for ethics, it sees people as a means to an end, rather as an end in and of themselves. The Overton window, as I said, has more to do with political viability. We should also consider a similar mechanism called Halen's spheres. Daniel C. Halen is a professor of communications at the University of California, San Diego. He wrote a book called Uncensored War to explain the coverage of the Vietnam War, and describe three concentric circles within which media operates. So picture a target with a small circle at the center, a larger circle around that, and then one larger circle that encompasses the two smaller circles. You got that image in your head? Like a bullseye. The small circle in the center, the bullseye, is the sphere of consensus. It's analogous to the middle of the Overton window. The second circle surrounding the bullseye, is the sphere where debate is tolerated by the public. So this is the area where news media are allowed to differ in opinion. It's like the Fox News versus CNN or MSNBC. They contradict each other, they argue about issues in a manner that still stays within a certain border. Making sure that the various news models keep their talking points somewhere within the space provided for them. And this can be profit or agenda driven. Then, out here like a satellite, people like me, and likely you, reside. We're banished to the fringes for not coloring between the lines, and some of the things I discuss here would quickly be cast off into outer darkness by those interested in maintaining a narrative. The point is, I think, to bring attention to the fact that this shift that we're seeing toward less and less divergent thought and more and more control of the information is causing that middle circle to be compressed, more and more, with the goal of allowing almost no debate. Remember that bullseye, that bullseye is the place where everybody has consensus. The circle around that is the one I'm talking about being compressed, where there's allowable argumentation. If it were up to some people, there would only be the center. There would only be the bullseye of consensus and the outer darkness of the unmentionable. So what I'm trying to do here is push back against that pushback. The more of us that are willing to speak up, the more of us that are willing to question the consensus, the more freedom of thought there will be. The more freedom of thought there is, the more freedom of action we will have. Yes, we face many challenges as a species. We do. Humanity is on the verge of succumbing to totalitarianism on a scale that has never been seen before. That's not an exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. That's why I do what I do. And this is why I speak of courage and the need of more and more voices out there, questioning everything. And this is also why I speak about meaning so often. Because without a source of meaning in our lives that transcends our circumstances, we can easily be washed away by the tide of technocrats and tyrants. We need a foundation that will stand fast against the crashing waves. And without that firm foundation... We are so many castles made of sand on the shore of the ocean of human indifference. And the tide is coming in, my friends. The tide is coming in. For all you listening, you are valued, you are loved, and you are worthy. God bless, and good night. go.